Welcome back to the Stick 'em Up podcast. Brundy, how are you doing today? You know what? Doing pretty good. Um, I mean, not not hockey related, but the NFL season did start today, which is always a fun time of the year. Unless you're me, um, where the first leg of your 14 leg parlay fe- uh, did not hit. So that's a tough. It's a tough start to the season, but to we ride. How are you doing? Uh, not too bad. Um, get, I'm getting excited for the hockey season. I got my uh, my wife to try playing NHL with me for the first time the other day. Oh, how'd that and, go? Uh, really good. We both had a really good time. I I wasn't same sure if, team or same team. Okay, I wasn't sure if you like it. She uh, she didn't know that we'd be able to play on the same team. So I think a big reason that oh. she never wanted to was like you know she's like you put tons of hours in this. Clearly you'd destroy me. Yeah. It'd be no fun. But. Uh, yeah, it was a good time, you know, just throw it on rookie and, you know, just like explain it, explaining how to use the joysticks to hit. And then she's like, oh, okay, let me try. And then she like runs somebody as Eric Chernak from like 50 <laughs> yards away and absolutely drills Larkin and through the boards. Uh, you know, that's, that's, exact, really that's the way that I play. So I can't, uh, I can't uh, blame her. It's a, it's a fun thing to do in the game. You know, it's not yes. fun is talking about the Central Division, which we are doing today. Um, Continuing on with our 2023-2024 NHL season preview, going division by division. Uh, We've already gone through the Atlantic and the Metropolitan, and now we are on to the stinky Central Division. How are we feeling about that? Um, I feel about the same for the other three divisions. I can't say the same for this one. Um, and, and, and same as last time, we're, we're going to go through each team one by one, um, just in alphabetical order, makes it easier for us because we are not smart. And we also did our own um, rankings on where we think each team will finish in the division when it is all said and done. I think that's all the, the groundwork um, to start it off. So should we just hop into the first team in this? lackluster division as some are calling it <laughs> as some are calling it uh yeah okay as i'm calling <laughs> it we uh, we might as well um i can't imagine we'll have a different one or two i th- they might be in different order but oh before we start oh before we start actually um because we would probably never talk about it because we've we've already gone through the atlantic division the ottawa senators You didn't. Okay. Okay. What? I thought maybe. I don't know if you. I don't know if you heard. But did you hear no. about the signing they made yesterday? Oh yes. Yeah. I thought you were. I thought you were like making a joke that they like got traded to the central or something. I was. I would fold the franchise at that point. Who'd want to play in the central? Yeah. Um, no, but the, the Ottawa Senators signed Jake Sanderson. Yeah. To an eight-year extension. Um, at eight point zero five million dollars per year. Wow. Like for a guy that you know. He's, in an eight by eight extension for a guy who's played one season, and I think he's only played like I think he only played like seventy three games or something last yeah. season, seventy two. Very small sample size for this size of contract. That being said, he looked really good in those, and if he only yeah. continues to improve, like if he stays the same player, I don't think this is a horrible contract. And he's only, I think he's only going to get better. He's only going to get better, like. There is literally a world where this is a bad contract, but I think more than likely he plays above this contract's value for the majority of it. And and that was my thing. That's exactly what I thought. 
I saw a lot of people originally talk about just saying, you know, it's an overpay, uh, like it's a crazy overpay and whatnot, but it's also like people said the exact same things for guys like Jack Hughes, Jack Hughes, Tage Thompson, Jason Robertson, Jason Robertson. But it's like you sign, and you know, even one um, that people are saying, Matthew Boldy, which I think is going to be a phenomenal deal for the Wild, especially given their cap hell right now. But it's just, you got to, you know, it's it's a, right now, just given how much he's played, it's high risk, high reward. Yeah. Because there is a chance that, you know, maybe an injury happens, uh, but but that can happen with anybody. So that's not even a realistic thing to say, because... Austin Matthews signed that extension. He could easily get injured. Like, yeah. it's, it, that's just, you yeah. know, that's a whole different thing. Um, but, I mean, now all, all those contracts we listed look like great deals because, you know, you sign them to that long deal when they're young. Before like, he's, he's sitting out. there like, fuck, I just played one season in the NHL, and they're already offering me an 8 by 8 Like, they're, like as a 20, 21-year-old or whatever, like, they're going to jump on that. Yeah. Like, to have that, have 64 million just like that, boom, locked in, uh long term you now you don't gotta you know, it's just and it's great and then it also takes him to you know his later 20s kind of right when he's in his prime he'll be a ufa so if he doesn't want to stick in ottawa um you know he can just he can leave like he, he, he could go anywhere so i think that's just a great deal um for ottawa and sanderson yeah not to mention right now would be a pretty rough time for a guy who looks to be have that high that elite level of upside that could be really rough if you give him a bridge deal, if he takes two or three years and then he wants to sign an eight-year contract when he's shown he's better, but also when the cap's gone up, now he's yeah. now he's asking for ten and a half million. Exactly, right? If he's at Norris level, he could be asking for twelve easy yeah. in a couple of years. So And I will say that it's really like Ottawa is just smashing it because they've now got Josh Norris, Stutzel, Kachuk, um, Shabbat and now Sanderson, kind of their big, you know, three guys up front, and they're they're two big defensemen on the back end. Like they're all locked in now, long term, and none of them have uh, more than nine million they're making a year. So like that that is phenomenal work by the Senators, a team yeah. that doesn't like to pay guys a lot of money is paying decent money to a lot of their young guys long term. So they've got a good core set up for the future. All right, all right. Time to rip the bandaid off. Let's let's talk about the central back division. Back to the central. Yeah, back to the central. Nothing, uh, against, nothing against the teams, though. It's just like the division. Yeah, you know? it's just it's like gross division. You don't want to be in that division. <laughs> um. The okay, the Arizona Coyotes is number one. Interesting team. Um, where do you want to start off with the Coyotes here? Ugh, I mean, I'm trying to. I want to talk about them differently than I've talked about them for so many years. But like, I mean, Clayton Keller looks like he's going to be great. He was fantastic last year, especially in the second half of the season. Um, Barrett Hayton really came along Barrett last Hayton. year. He really yeah. actually showed he could play consistently at a high level in in the league, which is huge for them because it was starting to kind of look like uh, bus city for him, but not anymore. Yeah, uh, Vimelka also looked great last year. Uh, they got some decent pieces like that, but the depth is non-existent. Like they, I, I, I don't know. Like you kind of look at it, say you're, you're, you know, I'm assuming you're kind of your big, big three up front is probably going to be like Keller, 
Schmaltz and maybe Logan Cooley. Maybe. I don't know. Um, or even Baird Hayton. Maybe he stays there right there. But then, you know, second line, you go with uh, Jason Zucker, um, you know, either Gunther Hayton in there, um, Dylan Gunther, and then you still got Lawson Kraus, Kerfoot, Marcelli, uh, Bukestad. So they, they've, they've got some some good pieces up front. I, I think their forwards is okay. It's their defense that I think is, is the biggest um, area of concern for them. Yeah, that's... I mean, it was already bad when they had uh, Jacob Chikrin before, but losing him obviously didn't help anything. And they uh, it's a pretty barren blue line. Like, I'm trying to think of some of the blue liners they have, like... So I, I I can list off some for you if you want. Liam O'Brien. No, he's a forward. He's a for, yeah. I do. I don't even know what position these guys play. Like they just so that so here this is the thing that that does worry me. Um, so between the Coyotes forwards for this upcoming season, between the fourteen forwards they've currently listed, their forwards are making forty point one million dollars between fourteen of them. So naturally, you'd think yeah. their defense, okay, there's seven of them listed here. They'd be around maybe 20. You know, there's half as many, so maybe like half is less forwards. No, between yeah. their seven defensemen, they're they're all combined making $10.725 million per year. Yeah. Like, also worth noting, all seven of those defensemen, their contracts are up at the end of the year. All seven. All seven. They have no, no defense locked three, up for er, two years. Three of them, which is Matt Dumba... Um, Joshua Brown and Troy Stetcher are um, UFAs, so they can walk if they want. But then they do have Sean Dersey, um, Valimaki, Moser, and Soderstrom. All pretty, actually, pretty good young defensemen. Yeah. Um, they are all RFAs, so they do hold the rights to those guys. Oh, okay. Um, it, they're, they're, in, they're, in, they're in an interesting spot. And... Do you want to hear this? Oh yeah, I'm gonna list off their, not just just their rounds one, two, and three picks for the next three years. Okay. Okay. So this upcoming, or I guess the draft year next year, 2024, they have one first round pick, three second round picks, <laughs> and three third round picks. The following year, they have their just one their first round pick, four second round picks, and two third round picks. In 2026, so three years from then, they have their first round pick, three second round picks, and two third round picks. Jeez. So right now, between the their next three drafts, they have three first round picks, ten second round picks, and seven third round picks. Oh, they- like they are, they are loaded up on on draft picks. Yeah. So if if they're you know making a you know, if they're kind of sniffing around a playoff spot come the deadline, you could use some of those seconds and thirds to make some moves and, you know, improve your roster. Or maybe get some some guys that are on expiring deals and you can trade for them and bring them in and maybe sign them long-term if that's, um, if that's something that fits for them. So it's just their defense that looks rough. But it, there's also a lot of potential between all those young guys that they have. So it's kind of why I'm... I'm a little iffy on them because I, I really do see 
I see the bright spots in their defense, but I can also see how it can be very bad very quickly. Yeah, it's 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 a rebuilding team. There's not a ton to say past that. There's a couple bright spots. I don't know how many of their young guys are going to be playing. Um, do you know if either of the Russians they signed this year uh, or they drafted this year in the first round are signed? It... Um, I do don't believe so. I believe they're they're both going to take another year um, to develop. So so you don't yeah so you, so you don't have them um, coming up. So pretty much most of those guys list is kind of what they what they're going to have unless they've got some guy maybe in uh, training camp who really just balls out or something to really uh, gets the coach's attention to make the team yeah i think most of the guys that kind of listed right now is is a group that they're going to be running with yeah it'll be interesting to see how logan cooley does this year yeah hopefully and it'll be interesting make a big impact not only that just to kind of see now where because i'm assuming him and dylan gunther are both um going to be you know full timers for the coyotes this year yeah. so i'm very interested to see kind of where where they slot in on the team you know whether like i said maybe i don't know if logan cooley is going to just be thrown right into first line center maybe they start him on the second line maybe even the third line um and, and same with gunther i think gunther probably slots in on the second line i think is probably where they put him you know he's already kind of got a um half a season at least last year under his belt so he's, he's kind of got that rhythm for how the pace works so i think you're more likely to see gunther start off with a bigger role than cooley but as the season goes on i think cooley works his way up to to the top of the pecking order with yeah. with Clayton Keller. Yeah. Uh, he looks he looks like he's going to be something incredibly special there. I'm I'm hoping he can turn around for that franchise. Hopefully they start turning around turning it all around, you know, at that time when they get their new arena and everything. Yeah. If that all goes through as it seems like they're hoping it will. Yeah. There's a, there's there's a lot of bright spots with the Coyotes. It's just they need the pieces to start clicking together and hitting. Um, and they, they could have a very bright future very soon, I think. Yeah. So with that all being said, where do we have the Coyotes ranked in the horrible Central Division? I have them ranked 7th in, in the Central Division. 7th? Yeah. We have a 1st. For the first time, going. I mean, we, we we had them all in the same spots before in the central. We actually have them in different spots. You know, I'm I'm just thinking about some of the moves the team below them made in the off season. I'm already starting to regret it, but I'm gonna but I'm gonna keep it. There. If you, I'll give you one change if you want. If nope, you want to, nope. I I wrote it down. Okay. I will I will I will live by it. Neither of those teams are good enough to uh, for me to be surprised if they switch around. I've got the Coyotes in sixth place. You've got them in sixth. Yeah, <laughs> I thought I thought you had them in eighth. No, no, I got them in sixth. Oh wow! Like I have them. I have them in sixth place. We just talked about the same team. We're both talking about right. Yeah. I got I got some ones that are that are lower. Do you think Vamelk is going to win the Vesna? No, <laughs> no, Not no. With that stellar decoy, no Coyotes goalie is winning the Vesna in my lifetime. It's not happening. Um, moving on, the Chicago Blackhawks. Boo! What do what what, what do we got to say about the Chicago Blackhawks here? 
they've got they've got a lot of draft picks as well. Yeah. They've got five first rounders in the next three years. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight second rounders in the next three years. Four third rounders. Four fourth rounders. Only two fifth rounders and only two sevenths. Are they, are they trying to go through a rebuild? Like, what are they doing? Uh, they, they do have a lot of draft picks. I really see almost all of these draft picks actually being used by them. Um, yeah. Because, I mean, I mean, yes, they have Connor Bedard and Corey Perry, but like they're they're still a couple years away from back in the playoffs. Yeah. Like they've got a lot of holes on this team that that they that that are are going to get fixed over time slowly. Um, you know, there's just lots of uh, different things that they just kind of have to keep working through, letting you know their young guys just develop. Um, that takes time. Yeah, just it's just a work in progress. They're they're going to be a good team, and uh, you know, maybe maybe three years. I I, I could see three years, maybe. Uh, I'm just curious. Uh, what do you see their first line being opening night? Their first line. First line. I mean, I mean, if I had to. I honestly, with the Blackhawks, I really wouldn't be surprised if we see something like uh, a Taylor Hall, Connor Bedard, Corey Perry. Okay. That that like that would not shock me one bit. Yeah. Because I think Corey Perry is is being brought in the exact same way how when the Oilers got McDavid, they brought in Lucic. Yeah. And Lucic was supposed to be on McDavid's line with them protecting them, fighting for those pucks, so McDavid doesn't have to go in the dirtiest. But Lucic just completely f- fell off a cliff when he went to Edmonton. Yeah. Like, he just went completely downhill. Whereas I think Corey Perry can still be a very valuable player um, in, in those situations. So I, I wouldn't be shocked to see him on out there with Bedard to kind of protect him, but also do a lot of the heavy lifting um, to give Bedard those chances. That's fair. Uh, Corey Perry fell off a decent bit last year. I mean, he already fell off from the previous Hart Trophy winner that he was. But he, uh, there, there's a reason that Tampa didn't resign him. Uh, and there's a reason that Chicago wanted him, though. Oh, was willing to pay him absolutely. four mil. Um, also, I mean, to get to the cap floor. But, <laughs> but uh, I'm, I'm thinking they're going to do something similar. I'm thinking uh, they'll go Taylor Hall, Connor Bedard, and on the right wing, Taylor Radish. I, I he, could see he play, that he plays a similar style to Corey Perry in that like that kind of power forward grinder. You get in there and you get the puck and then you make the kind of drive the play a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was also just one of their top scorers last year. You know, I I, I very well could I very well could see Radish um, slotting in there. I mean, they'll up top. They'll probably play Bedard with a lot of guys on that first line and see yeah you know, what sticks. Who works with them well? Yeah, yeah, because they're basically most of the season is going to just be around having Bedard do good and just putting the guys that that he produces the best with and just keep them with him. Like that's really um, what it's going to come down to. Uh, man, just looking at the cap friendly, we really got uh, we really got McDavid's uh, team kind of held back with that Darnell Nurse contract, and now we got Bedard's team with that Seth Jones contract, huh? Yeah. 
That's that's a bit tough. Yeah, that both great defensemen, just uh, some heavy contract. Yeah, exactly. I'm, yeah, I don't know. Like I just kind of look at Chicago. I'm just like, yeah, you can definitely tell that they're, you know, they they do realize that it's just a slow slow process to go through this rebuild. Even though you got Bedard, yeah. you know, you can't just immediately go out and try and grab every free agent. Like you got to just let them develop naturally. Um, and you know, you just kind of got to go through a couple years of pain before if it all really finally pays off. Yeah. So there's really not much to say on Chicago. Like. We all kind of know what we're going to expect from them for the most part. Um, but we all know that we're going to be talking about them lots in a couple years. So, And even throughout the season when Bedard oh, yeah, he's, uh, pulls off highlight reels. I was going to say, he's going to be all over on like that, that, that first game between Bedard and McDavid, like... That's going to be all That's going to go... Like, that might honestly set records for amount of viewers. Like, that game is, is going to be nuts. Yeah. So I can't wait for that. Um, but anyways... Where do you have the Blackhawks finishing in the division? I have the Chicago Blackhawks finishing in eighth. I do too. Outside I, of the playoffs. Yeah, I still have them finishing last. Like, Bedard's going to do good. I pro- I kind of... Where, where do you see Bedard for point totals at the end of the season? Assuming he plays, like, the full 82. He does not have a great team with him. He'll be playing against NHL players now. Uh, I think people are going to have pretty insane... Uh, projections for what they think he's going to do. Yeah, I'm thinking uh, 60 points, 55 to 60. So, so if I'm, I had to guess, I'm like 65 to 70. Yeah, is kind of where I got him in. Um, like I see people like projecting he's gonna he's gonna put up like 40 goals, 85 points. I'm like, there's just no way. How is he gonna score 40 goals yeah. in the NHL with this with this talent around him? Yeah. Like, it's not like the WHL where he can just take it in his own end and dance through everybody and go between the legs bar down. Like, you just yeah. you can't do that in the NHL. Like, guys will hit you more and yeah. At the very least, you can't faster, do it like, at near as consistently as yeah. in the WHL. Yeah, exactly. It does happen, but he was, he was getting two or three points a night, every night, yeah. doing that. Like, you can't... Not, yeah, it's just, it's not happening. Even NHL. McDavid has... Uh, he has best season last year. He was he wasn't even particularly close to two points a game. So, yeah, it's uh, it'd be a lot tougher. I could see him putting up quite a few goals. I could see him. I could like legitimately see him put up like sixty five points, but like forty three to forty five goals. No, if nobody like if nobody else on that team can finish, and they really look for him to be the the goal scoring guy, and like, I, I it really I, depends how much they're like. Are they just trying to grow him, or are they going to straight Alex Ovechkin be like, "All right, when Bedard's on the ice, look to fucking feed him," and that's that's the whole thing. It really depends how they look. Yeah, at it. I I kind of see him capping out like his max. I would say for his rookie years, probably like thirty five goals. I think is kind of the max. Yeah. Um, and again, a lot of it. I think so. A lot of it just comes down to the talent around him. Yeah. Like it's. Taylor Hall and Seth Jones are his best teammates. Hit the absolute best. They will be on the power play with him. Yeah. The other four, two guys are up for debate. Probably Corey Perry because he's got power play experience. Yeah. But. It's just, yeah. But I am. I will say I'm very excited to see how he he does, and yeah. hopefully he inevitably wants out of Chicago. Yeah. That would be and, nice. And you know it. 
it's not like it hasn't happened before. We could be wrong. Like, Pit, you know, uh, Crosby and Ovechkin, when they both entered the league, they both put up, like, over 100 points each in their rookie season, I think. Yeah. Like, I think it was, like, 102 and 106 points or something like that. So, like, it's not impossible. Scoring's higher now, but... It, it's just the talent. It's It's really those. tough. Yeah. Um, moving on to the now two years removed from winning the Stanley Cup, the Colorado Avalanche. <gasps> I don't know why you did that, but yeah. Um, <laughs> I was just surprised. I mean, it's, you know, big dog Nathan McKinnon, his contract is now kicked in. $12.6 million. Big dog. Woof. Um, interesting scenario there, because, you know, obviously Gabriel Landeskog, it sounds like he's not going to play at all this entire season i see a lot of people actually feeling that he may never play again yeah um just due to the nature of his injury and the surgeries like it's it's a tough thing to come back from um i would love i'd love to see him come back yeah Yeah. like he's a fun guy to watch but you also got to just take health and and you know their their futures into consideration so and and i'm sure that's something he's he's doing right now so um like fuck, they st- they still got a good team, and I really kind of view this as, you know, they they've got a window. It's very clear that they have a window to win within. Yeah, and it's it's this year and next year, and that's just because Devon Taves. This is the final year on his contract, um, unless they can offload. Um, well, I guess Josh Manson's got no trade clause, so that's going to be hard. But unless they can trade uh, Sam Girard, I, I think Devon Taves is probably gone. And then the following year, uh, Miko Rantanen and Bowen Byram are both going to want extent are going to need a new contract. And Rantanen's going to get more than that nine point two. Bowen Byram's yeah. going to get more than his three point eight five. Bowen Byram's so, going to get a huge raise from three point eight five. Yeah, like that's that's going to be a hefty price. They. Uh, it's kind of hard to tell who that uh, who's going to be filling out the top six in that sixth spot, but other than that, uh, that top five of uh, Byram, Taves, Manson, Gerard, and Makar is absolutely insane. Yeah, like that's a great decor, and that's crazy to think that one of those guys has to put on the bottom pair. Yeah, but I, I think that, but it's also I guess one of those things where whoever's on the bottom pair, they're still going to find ways to integrate them, whether it's through lots of time on the yeah. penalty kill or power play or, or yeah. what have you. Or they'll just roll the second and third line equal amounts and, you know, they'll give 25 minutes a night to the first line and then, you know, 17 and 18 to the second and third. Yeah, so that is also possible. There's there's enough time in a game that you can, you can fit people in if they have the talent. Just yeah. because they're on the third line doesn't mean they have to be played that much less. Yeah. Um, it'll be interesting to see uh, how some of the guys that they've got over the offseason uh, adapt there. They've got quite a few. I'm, they've I'm, got quite a few. Obviously, as a Lightning fan, I'm really interested to see how Ross Colton does in their in their system. Also, as a Lightning fan, Jonathan Drouin. Jonathan Drouin. Being reunited with Nathan McKinnon. Yeah. I Man, I'm seeing a lot of people jump at that like madmen. Like, I get it. It's exciting. And I really hope he can turn his career around. But I've seen people being like, I can't wait for this season to start i'm so ready to see drew End put up 70 80 points with mckinnon and it's like that 
that that's it that seems like a pretty big jump like yeah he he's been healthy scratched quite a few times in the last few years like yeah i don't know if he's putting up 70 points yeah people people really do um they, they just love to grasp onto those kind of storylines and like oh they were junior teammates but like people also like i'm gonna pull it up here because because honestly that is actually something that pisses me off more than how bad the central division is as a whole <laughs> um is is yeah people being like oh Jurens, he's gonna be you know 30 goals 80 points next year when he's with mckinnon it's like but between I'm gonna do some quick math here Oh, he's doing um, quick maths. With, so with Montreal, between the previous um, three seasons, he's played 136 games. So between the last three seasons, 136 games. How many goals do you think he had out of those 136 games? 136. I mean, I know he was he was not playing well. And I know he had a big scoring drought in the middle of it. I'm going to say like 17? 10. Jeez, like that 17's a low guess. Like, he's, he was averaging a goal every, like, 13, 14 games. Yeah. And now people are like, like, it, I don't like I don't care. Him and McKinnon haven't played together since, well, 10 years ago, pretty much. Also, so, a guy with that kind of production, are you just putting him on the first line with well, McKinnon? Well, also, exactly, right? Like, I, I know that's something they're obviously going to try in preseason yeah. because, like, you have to. Like, I get that. But... I just I just don't see, you know I, I I see him kind of being a still probably a third liner I would say. Yeah. Um, one thing that I think that is actually worth noting is for preseason they have signed Yoel Kiviranta to a PTO. Oh really? The guy who what was it now three years ago at, like just crushed him in the playoffs in Game Seven there. Yeah, with his hat trick. He and scored a hat trick. The third goal being the OT winner in Game Seven. Yeah, that's and now he's. That's funny that they're the ones who signed yeah. him. Yeah, um, but but still a lot a lot of a lot of still good pieces they did bring in. Like they brought in Ryan Johansson, Ross Colton, Miles Wood. Um, they they've made good additions, and they haven't come at a huge, you know, cap hit or anything for them. Um, I mean, you know, it's I oh okay actually. I have a question here for you. Sure. So, do you think at any point, like, it, probably not going to happen this season. Um, but, I'm trying to think of a way to word this, but I can't really, because, so, we know Landis Gog's not playing at all this season. Do yeah. you think they name anybody's captain for this season, knowing Landis Gog's not coming back? I don't think so. I think... I think there's too many guys around from the cup run still that are like look up to him as the captain and yeah, like that's, yeah. I think I think you have to be a couple more years removed from that before before they're like all right we should you know McKinnon will be a good captain or Bakar or whoever they want to give it to and then they're like let's put the C on him then do it unless uh, Landis Gog comes in and says. I want somebody else to wear the C while I'm out. Yeah, I, uh, Which unless he does probably that. doesn't happen. But. No. Um, so yeah, so then I guess the Avs will roll through next season without a captain altogether, which can can make a difference. It it, it honestly can. We yeah. have seen that that struggle with a few teams that um, you know held off from naming a captain for a couple of years, and uh, I think it just really benefits the team from having that 
you know, that guy, that face, that leader, who it, it's on him to kind of rally the boys yeah. in times of uh, need and whatnot. But um, anyways, I do think the abs are going to be good. Uh, I think Georgiev's still solid. We kind of know we kind of know what we're getting into with the ass. Like it's it's a lot of the same core from from previous years, so nothing new and crazy with them. Yeah, solid tandem there with uh, yeah Gorgiev and Fransuz. Um Not not elite goaltending, but between those two, they can definitely get the job done. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, I also wonder if like you know does Landeskog do like do you travel with the team? When something like that happens, or do you just? I, don't know. I think he's just rehabbing or at home. Like I, yeah. I, I really just see him kind of like maybe he'll show up every now and then to like, or maybe some home, home games or show up at like, you know, walk in at practice and just say hi to the guys. But like, I don't see him being around that much, given that he's going to be gone for the entire season. So yeah, but who knows? Who knows? Um. So do you want me to do you want me to go first on where I have the Avs ranked? Yes, please. I have the Colorado Avalanche finishing in second in the Central Division. I figured you'd have them in second, which is why I put them in first. You have in them the first. Central Division. You have them first. I have them first. Wow. I think a couple differences here already. I, like I, I almost had them second, but I think I think with the additions they made, they filled some holes, and I think. I think they're also just a team. Their play style just absolutely feasts on people in yeah. the regular season, especially in the Central Division, right? Yeah. Yeah, you know what? Fair fair enough. Moving on in the shitty Central Division, we have the Dallas Stars. The Dallas Stars. The Dallas Stars. Oh, man. Um, this is a fun team to watch. It, it's a very fun team to watch. It. Yeah. Just so fun. Um, I'm just trying to kind of just dissect the team on where to start because, like, uh, there's there's some bright spots, but there is some low spots. Um, worth noting, Jordy Ben is is signed on a PTO right now, so maybe he comes comes back to Dallas yeah. and is reunited with with Jamie Ben once again. My biggest issue with the Dallas Stars is Tyler Sagan. 9.85 for another four years. I can't believe and he is just, still four. He's just, yeah, right? That's and, crazy. And he, he, it, he's just, he's completely fallen off a cliff. Like, he just does not look near the same player. Uh, just not, not, just not, not in terms of point production, but just in terms of the way he plays the game. Um, I'm really glad to see that Jamie Ben, who's 34. Yeah. It has really kind of bounced back the last couple of years and is is a force again. Um, he's wearing that C with pride. He's, it's, he still looks like the kind of guy that deserves it. And then you you know you've kind of got your your two young guns with the vet. You've got Rupe Hints, Jason Roberts, and Joe Pavelski. Like we know what um, what those guys can do together. Like we we've seen it before. They're uh, just in my opinion one of the I'd say three best lines in hockey. You can almost say like the three of them together is the just the forward line. Yeah, yeah, ju- just of uh, hints Robertson and Pavelski. Like that's a they're definitely up there. That's they they produce a ton. And so like and we know that that's that's going to be their first line again. Like you, how can you split those three guys up? Yeah, 
but then still having guys like you know he's, he's, he's not the same but Tyler Sagan still serviceable in the a middle six role Jamie Ben Mason Marchman Radic Faxa Matt Duchesne uh Dadnov they got Wyatt Craig Johnston. Smith Wyatt Johnston Sam Steele they signed like even Ty Delanger like they've got like that's a deep forward group that's a really good forward that's core. that that might honestly be the deepest forward core in the league probably top five like at least that, like that's damn good um and then on the defense like you still got your your big stud there mirror heiskanen you've got Esselindel, you've got ryan Suter, which is a pretty bad looking contract at this point because he was bad in the playoffs um yanni hawkenpah niels lundquist thomas harley you know, and then, and then they still got Jake Ottinger. Like they've they've got a deep team. Yeah, I think I think maybe if you can afford it, like try and get uh, maybe a better backup goalie than Scott Wedgwood. But yeah, just to, you know, just in case injuries show up for Ottinger or something. But other other than that, there's not really. There's not really any holes with this team. Yeah, there, yeah, there's really not. Like they, they are pretty um, well stacked up all the way through. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I just think they're they're a great team. They they don't have like any cap space to work with. They're not loaded up on draft picks. Um, they're in that position of a team that's that's really trying to go for it right now. Um, so that's kind of why you see those things of just not not as many draft picks stocked up. No cap space to work with, but those teams always find a way um, to go out and get the guy that they want, if available. Yeah, that's uh, especially in, uh, obviously not this year, but in the next two to four years, seeing what they can do with that cap space they'll get from uh, Ben and Sagan's contracts running out, seeing what ways they'll be able to weaponize that. Like, they can, they can make a really interesting team for the next 10 years if they use that space right yeah i completely agree uh i think a very large amount of their success uh since they get so much from that top line will be dependent on if joe pavelski can keep which, kicking which father's can. time at which which he 100 can which he He's 39. There's not a doubt in my mind that Buddy's going to drop yeah. another 70-point, 30-goal season. Like, Dude, that's just nuts. 39 and no sign of slowing down. He's That might have been one of his best seasons. He's he's going to be he's, in prime position to come back to San Jose for one final run when the Sharks are just coming out of their rebuild, and I can't wait because <laughs> it's going to happen. Um, But, so, I mean, it's I've been jerking off the Dallas Stars for five plus minutes here so it's pretty obvious i have them finishing first in the garbage central division <laughs> yeah i have them in second i i figured yeah those would be our top two yeah it's there's 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 there's, there's just there's a, a significant drop off after that so i guess with that being said on to the next the minnesota wild who we've kind of talked about a little bit earlier um, about some of the contracts interesting team they're in an interesting spot right now yeah they uh they really started to build up and they were getting better and better and then they 
they put themselves in the spot with the contract buyouts that they are almost in a place where they have to have to just deal with life for the next two seasons two seasons like oh just a tad under 15 million dollars to pay Zach Preeze and Ryan Suter to not play for them anymore uh that like that that's 15 like that's you know what top four defense in a top six forward maybe a, a bottom pair guy or a bottom forward like that's it's 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 a lot of cap space you're you're missing out on and you can see it when you're looking down their roster um you know especially on on the back end i think yeah it's uh it's that's that's pretty brutal to be missing that so i think they're just gonna try and stay they're they're just gonna try and keep morale up for the next two years and then they're really gonna go for it once they get that cap space back um that being said they definitely have some guys that uh they're there to be excited about you know you got obviously caprizov matthew boldy zuccarello erickson eck marcus felino Freddie Goudreau has he's, he's really, really improved in yeah, the last two He's years. really blossomed into something that not a lot of people expected him to be. Um, and, and you always love those kind of stories. Like, you really saw him kind of find his stride originally with Nashville. Uh, comes over to Minnesota, you know, kind of starts off in that smaller role. You know, I, I think at times even he put himself up on, like, the first line for them every now and then. So, like, he's he's come a long way and he's earned, he's earned that contract he's on. Yeah. Um, and, and, I, and I know Minnesota's expecting some big things from him uh, this upcoming season because, you know, they're going to need those uh, guys that aren't making as much money to really outperform their contracts um, if they want to have any chance of, you know, competing for the Cup next year or even a playoff spot in, in such a bad central division. Yeah, the uh, they also got... Uh, uh, Pat Maroon, obviously, this past off season, which will be a oh, that's right. nice, uh, nice depth addition for them, and uh, hopefully Marco Rossi can take the next step with them. He uh, he looks like he can <laughs> he can be pretty pretty impactful. Um, yeah, but so far he uh, hasn't really done what some people thought he w- maybe would by now. He's still really young, but yeah, it's. You know, when you when you draft the guys that highly, what was he drafted? Ninth overall, ninth overall in twenty twenty. Uh, yeah, you're kind of hoping that at some point, you know, we're three years out from that. And yeah. uh, has he got into many games in the NHL? Rossi. Yeah. Um, I know he was dealing with some kind of injury. Um. Or something like I know he's going through some, so it definitely did kind of limit his um, his playing time over the last couple of years. Um, so so last year he played fifty three games in the AHL, putting up fifty one points. So pretty pretty close to to a point per game. Um, in the NHL last season, he played nineteen games, okay. zero goals, one assist. So he, he he has struggled, but I mean he's still a top ten pick for a reason. Like we've seen guys like Tage yeah. Thompson, first former first round picks, slow start, but then all of a sudden, boom, it yeah. all connects and they just take off. So anything is still possible for Marco Rossi on defense. They got Kalen Addison who really kind of broke through this year, 
Brock Faber, another young guy. I think they're really, I think there's a lot of pressure on Brock Faber um, just because he was kind of a big part of the whole uh, Kevin Fiala trade to, to LA. So I think there's a lot of pressure on him to kind of, you know, perform and, and, and live up to, to some of the hype um, that Kevin Fiala brought to that team. Um, but, and then Philip Gustafson in that, if he can, if he can continue, no, like that Mark Andre Fleury still like that's a gr- yeah. that's a greasy tandem that they're yeah. running. It's sick. Like Gustafson has not played a ton of games, but like I've seen some people like saying he's like a top five goalie in the league because of how well he played last year. Yeah, and like I definitely personally think that you need more games than what he had because he's played like I think somewhere around sixty or seventy games in the NHL. I think you need more than that to be able to truly judge how good they are. But, I mean, that's still a decent sample size to put up the numbers he has. So, yeah. I, will, I also, um, one of my, they, Minnesota also has one of my favorite guys to watch play, and that's Jacob Middleton. Um, he, he did play on San Jose for for a little bit before being traded to Minnesota. But, like, he, he does everything you want out of a guy. He, he contributes some points here and there. Throws the body, um, loves to fight. <laughs> like he's got a just an amazing muzzy. Um, but I think one of my favorite things about Maxi is so he was drafted in. Uh, he was the very last draft pick in the 2014 draft by the LA Kings. And my favorite thing about him is just you know obviously that's a question a guy gets asked a lot when they're the last pick in the draft is like you were the very last guy picked in your draft. But he, his response is always the best. Um, he, 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 instead of viewing it as he's the last pick in his draft year, he just views it as I was the guy picked before McDavid. I was the draft pick before McDavid. (laughs) And I'm like, that's such a, that's such an awesome way of viewing it. Um, so that just kind of shows you the type of guy that he is and just the type of guy that you want in your locker room. Cause he's, he's just very funny. He's, he's witty. You can just tell he's got a good personality by shit like that. So, um, Minnesota is very lucky to have a guy like that on their back end as well with the likes of Jared Spurgeon and Jonas Brodeen but no Matt Dumba anymore no Matt Dumba no Matt Dumba with that being said I think we probably both have the Minnesota Wild in the exact same spot I was wondering if we would but uh, I guess we'll see I I'll I'll, I'll go first you go first you go first because I think mine's going to be the weird one I've got him third I have the Minnesota Wild placing fourth in the Central Division. Wow. So you have the Jets above them. <laughs> Maybe. Because there's no one out. Like, I'm looking like there's no Maybe. one Maybe. else. We'll see. I feel like the Wild was a lock at three. I was I was thinking about it, and I was like, you know what? I think they're I think they're taking a step back for a year or two. Because that's a lot you know what? of missing is, cap space. That that is fair. That is very fair. I can totally I can totally see that. Um well then, yes. So I have them, the Minnesota Wild at three. You have them at four. Moving on to the Nashville Predators. Now oh, so I have them at four outside of the playoffs. Outside the play. So okay, yep. so you have Minnesota. Okay. I've got I've got a three to five split Central Division and Pacific Division okay. in my predictions. Um. So next up, the Nashville Predators under the new. The new era now, Barry Trotz in as general manager, Andrew Brunette being brought in as head coach. Um, you know, a, a different look to the team. 
They've, they've made a lot of moves this offseason. Um, not necessarily to get better, but not to get worse. Like, it's... It's a lot of the same. They're building for the future without getting worse, which is a bold strategy. Uh... They, they've signed quite a few seasoned guys, but a lot of them with a strange amount of term. Yeah. Like, I get the Ryan O'Reilly signing, but I don't know why it's for four years. Yeah, but but I think signing him at the four years is how they got him at the four and a half. That's true. I don't doubt at all that Chicago was like, hey, come play here for one year for $10 million. Yeah. Honestly. like yeah, They also... Uh, signed Gustav Nyquist, which I think is a solid addition, only a two-year deal. Um, so that takes him up to 36, and then, you know, whatever you do with him after that is is, is whatever you do. Um, but just like... So, uh, okay, so actually, the best way to get an idea for this team, um, for the Nashville Predators, so assuming Philip Forsberg is healthy for the start of, of, like, training camp, preseason, all that, they would have 14 forwards listed on the roster. Of those 14 forwards, one, two, three, four, five, six of them are making more than a million dollars. Yeah. Which means the other eight are all on their entry-level deals or making league minimum. Or they're bums. Or, or they're, they're bums, yeah. Like, it's... Um, you know, but, but, I mean, then, like, they're... So they, they're paying more... Or they're, they're paying about the same between 14 forwards and seven defensemen. Yeah. Um, but they, they like they they've still got a like they've they've got a good decor. I was gonna actually say, their defense is pretty solid. Their defense is not only solid, but, but it's pretty old. deep. But it's also it's getting up at their age. That's true. You know, they have like, they have a lot of like got- Roman Yossi going in 33, McDonough 34, Barry 32, Luke Shen 33. Like it it it, it, it that's, they've, that's they've got a window old. with those guys, and that those are quite possibly their top four defensemen. I definitely think so. a top three. I'm not sure if Luke Shen is the fourth best, but um, at least as it is right now, that's a pretty solid defense core. And then UC Saros as the goalie, like that's yeah. that's an incredibly sound defensive team, especially when you got guys like Ryan O'Reilly up front. All they need is some firepower and. Yeah, unfortunately, it's there's very little of it. Philip Forsberg is uh, at least uh, on cap friendly, listed on the injury injured reserve. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure what kind of injury he yeah, has. Yeah, I'm it's... I'm not sure what's going on with him. But what I'm a big thing I'm seeing is Nashville's looking a lot very similar to Minnesota right now. Between yeah. the the dead cap of retained salary on Ekholm and Johansson, and then the buyouts of Kyle Turris still kicking around in Matt Duchesne. This year they're you know giving up about nine million dollars between those guys. The following year, um, about you know thirteen and a half million. The following year, still up around nine million, and then kind of three and a half for the next couple after that. Like, it's 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 just a lot of dead cap there, which makes it so bizarre to me why they're signing guys like O'Reilly and and Nyquist when. It's, it's almost like they should be in that position now where it's like they're not winning a cup with this team. Not this year, not the next couple of years. Like they needed to go through a rebuild. Barry Trotz needed to come in 
and be like, this is my team now, and it's time for a rebuild. And so yeah, I I know a lot of people are saying that uh, you know you have to this team has to try and win now while they've got Roman Yossi they just still can't. still in his prime. Even though he's thirty three, he's is in his prime, which yeah. is crazy. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I just don't think it's going to happen with this team. I don't think they have the assets to trade for the pieces they need to become exactly. even a playoff team, less alone a cup contending team. So yeah, I, as much as it sucks to do, you know, I wonder if it would benefit them to see if you can trade Yossi now. Well, he's got a ton of trade value because, like I said, he's 33. He's got five years left at 9.059. Yeah. That's that's going to be tough on those last two, three years, depending on when he declines. And that's the thing is, like, um, you know, Nashville, like, and that, but that's just, like, yeah, because they're stuck with all that dead cap. And by the time most of that dead cap is kind of wrapped up is three years from now. Um, so really that's kind of when they can go for it. Like you can't really go for a cup when you're, like we said with Minnesota, when you've got that much cap tied up to players to not play for your team. Yeah. Like $10 million or more for the next three years. Like their cap space is, there's a reason that for like, uh, teams to retain $1 million in cap space, teams will pay a second or a first or something like that. Like it's. Cap space is really hard to come by. And so. that's the thing is by the time all that cap space is kind of um, back with the team now and not tied up into those guys to not play for them, Yossi's going to be 36. He's only going to have he's going to have two years left at that little over nine mil. Like they're, they've got a, I think, yeah, I just don't see them. And UC Soros has two years left on his deal. So, you know, do they see maybe him getting traded or them blocking him in given... He's already 28 now, actually. And so, like, he'll be 30 when his contract's up, so... It'd be really nice to have a goal, keep a goalie like that, but I tell you what, if you're trading to a team that, like, uh, like a team like New Jersey... Yeah. ...who thinks that they're really good now, but they don't have a goalie, that's, like, all they're missing. And they, it's not like they have bad goaltending, but they don't have that we-can-count-on-him number one guy... Do you know how many how many prospects and how many picks they will give up for two years of UC Soros at 2.5 mil? That is insane. Like, yeah. I would easily give up, like, a great prospect and two, maybe three first-round picks. Like, that, that, like, UC Soros has been a top five goalie in the league the past few years. Getting on an average him, Nashville team at that. Yeah. So getting him at such a low cap hit would be absolutely incredible. Yeah, yeah. I just, I, I just really think Nashville needs to um, just commit to to a rebuild, which just makes it weird of the signings of like O'Reilly and Nyquist and whatnot. Like they've got a lot of good young players who have really um, stepped it up. You know, especially last year, guys like uh, Cody Glass, Thomas Nosek. Um, even Yuso Parson in, like, they've got those young guys that took that next step, but it's just, it, it's not enough right now. Um, you know, you, you just can't expect those guys to, like, slot into your top six again immediately, like, become regular 
point producers like that i think it's just a bit um unrealistic so yeah i think it's just nashville i think they just need to accept it's time for a rebuild barry trotz is there now he should make the team the way he wants to very similar to how mike greer is doing that with san jose and i guess we'll wait and see what happens there yeah, I one thing that's and you know what it probably wasn't really the call of Nashville necessarily, um, but I wonder if they're gonna regret trading Tanner Janot. I think a guy like that fits in so well. His play style, he's young. Like I think he's a lot of the things that Nashville should be looking for in a player right now. Yeah, I think they just got offered something by. Uh, Breezebois that they couldn't they felt they couldn't refuse um, but I wonder if even something that looked that insanely good on paper is going to end up backfiring for him if if you know maybe uh, if they if none of their picks work out or if Genoa really bounces back to what he do, was doing in his rookie year somehow if he even gets better than that yeah um, but yeah I imagine I I don't know very many Nashville fans, but I got to imagine he was quickly becoming a fan favorite after that rookie year. He was hitting everything in sight, and he was scoring. But they did get a good haul back for him. I will, they I will got a, that. exactly. That's the thing. Like I was thinking, like there's no way they were shopping Chano, right? Like no, Brisbois must have just hit him up out of the blue and said, "All this crap, all these picks, and Calfoot takes like it's like how could you and, say and no then, to that? Yeah, like, it. Uh, I'm gonna give you an offer you can't refuse. So. Yeah. I imagine that's what happened there. Yeah. Um, so where, where do you have the Predators finishing with division? I think we got them in the same spot here now, based on how some of the other ones have gone. I think I think this is the one we've gotten the same. I would hope so. I have Nashville finishing in sixth. Shit, I have them in five. Outs- I have them in fifth. Outside of the playoffs. I also I have them in fifth, but I do have them outside of the playoffs. So, shit, we're wrong on that one again as well. A lot of differences within this division. A lot of differences. But it is the most boring, but I will say unpredictable division. Because this one could Definitely go a lot of different ways, I do feel. Yeah. Um, two teams left in the division. Before we get into them, because the next one is a hard team to stomach, I have some, <laughs> uh, some pets here with me, and they are whining that they want food, so I'm going to quickly um, give them some food, and we will hop right back in yes. to the final two teams here um so enjoy this little commercial break there won't actually be one because um it's going to quickly pop over to us talking about the final two teams so we will see you in literally one second here and boom just like that we're back like we never left incredible um every animal is now happy and fed they are doing their own thing we are moving on in the shitty central division two teams left uh, first off, the St. Louis Blues. Um, you know, one of those teams, uh, it, I, I almost, I view them very similar. Well, not not entirely, but I, there's similarities between them. Um, to the NFL, I view them kind of in the same area as the LA Rams. Um, you know, a team that kind of went from the middle, um, you know, they, may, they make a big move, all of a sudden, boom, you know, they're, they're, uh, champions and now it hits very quickly they're back to kind of near the bottom and it's almost looking like kind of a rebuild or retool um you know you know the blues got some good pieces on their team don't get me wrong but yeah. i just i don't see it being 
you know, a cup contending team. Um, I think when just when you're kind of relying like you're, you know, you're you're relying on guys like Jordan Cairo and Robert Thomas to be your your top forwards, like your leaders on the team, your that you know your go-to guys. I just I, both I think they're really good. I, but, they are. I'm but, not saying they're bad players, but I just don't seem as those guys that you're like. This is our our one A one B. Like these are the guys that who wins the we rely on, on this team exactly. Yeah. It, 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 that's that's the exact thing. Yeah, I just don't see those guys being the 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 guys to take hold in the team and each put up you know point per game seasons and uh, carry the workload for this team. I just don't see it in those those guys, um, especially you know their their low points they hit last year. Like your your top players, you just don't see those kind of slumps happen in um, your top players. So. But that being said, like they, they still got solid pieces. Braden Shen, uh, Pavel Buchnevich, who honestly, in my opinion, actually could very well be their best forward next season. Yeah, that was a great trade for them as well. Phenomenal trade. They robbed the Rangers, which is good because we don't like the Rangers. So seeing the Rangers lose a trade is always a good time. Um, Brandon Saad, still serviceable. They brought in Kevin Hayes. Um, he can still put up some points for them. Kaspari Kapanen... We don't know what's happening with him because, uh, actually, I'm, I'm going to make sure it was Kaspari Kapanen before I. Oh man, do we have do we have do we have controversy? I might actually have to delete this if I'm wrong. We might have to start from scratch. Oh no. Um, how do you spell? Oh, I have his name right here. Kas. K a s p e r i. Cap and Nen. You know what? Okay, I, okay. I Googled so I was his right. name, and the first thing that shows up is news about drunk driving yeah. slash Kasperi Kapanen. Yeah. So, okay, so he is facing alcohol-related driving charges that occurred in Finland. Um, is he facing them officially? Yeah. Because I'll... I'm, it's the I'm, first I've heard about it today. The first I'm seeing is today. suspected of it. I have no idea how you're suspected of doing it, if it's like security cam footage or if he's like been fully caught doing it and that's just what's released. Yeah. So it says, um, there's reports saying that th- there's no suspension coming for this. We don't know what kind of legal trouble is going on with that. but um, So we don't know the full thing going on with him. But even aside from him, they still got Jacob Vrana. Um, they, they've, they've got guys coming like Jake Neighbors. They brought Oscar Sundquist back. They have Sammy Blay. Um, it's kind of funny how Sammy Blay was, was part of the trade to send Buchnevich um, to St. Louis, and now he's back with the Blues. Yeah. Um, weird guy. There's there's a lot of stuff with Sammy Blay that's odd. You can easily go on Twitter and look that stuff up because <laughs> some of that shit is mind-blowing. But he's back with the Blues, only making one mil per year. So could could be a good depth piece. You never know. Um, de- defense, I think, is actually still, is still pretty solid. Like Justin Falk. Tori Crew, Colton Pareko, Nick Letty, Scandella, Bortuzzo, um, even Cal uh, Rosen. Yeah, like they, they've got a, they've got a good defense. I will give them that. The forwards is where I'm iffy, and then the goaltending I think is is hot garbage. Uh, Jordan. It really Bennington, depends. I like, obviously who likes Jordan Bennington other than uh, Blues fans, right? It's it's, but he does have the skill. The thing is, he has to focus on the game, and he's. Shown he can't that do that. He's getting worse at it. If he can focus up and just focus on the game, and he can put up a nine ten, I think they're fine. He can't. But if he keeps getting 
if he keeps getting distracted and he's going, he's fake punching guys or actually punching guys or swinging a stick or char- uh, challenging people to fight, I think it's it's going to spell disaster for this team real quick because their backup is Joel Hofer. Who Joel Hofer could he could be good. He actually could could be um, a, a a decent goalie for them. It, you know, it, it, it's tough in the situation he's in. But I think with Jordan Bennington now, like, you know, everybody thought he was this uh, world-class goalie when they won the Cup with the Blues. His whole thing was, you know, he's the most calm, cool, collected goalie in the league. And then all of a sudden, boom, just like that. I, just, I, I don't know if he just got arrogant or if he's always been a hothead and was able to hide it. Um, but it just completely unraveled. We've now seen the kind of guy that he is. And, but that's the thing, though, is it's been happening for three seasons now. Yeah, like it's not just oh it's it happened last year and it's like okay he could get out of it like it's yeah. it, it got exposed three years ago specifically during the uh, the COVID year where it was like eighteen divisions and it was just that those divisions play each other. Mm. Um, it really got it. It really actually did get ex- like exposed heavily um, by San Jose um, just through the amount of times they played St. Louis in succession is when we really started to see some of the antics really come out from Jordan Bennington. And then very quickly we saw other teams, you know, get in his grill and, and try and rattle him. And then he just completely spiraled. And now it's almost becoming a thing you see where, you know, when teams play St. Louis and it's Jordan Bennington, it's like, Players you know, give him, give, give him those little pokes after the whistle, you know, chirp him when you skate by him. Like, and before you know it, he's just, he gets so caught up in those antics that He's just nowhere near the same goalie. It's too bad that it wasn't. Uh, he didn't start losing his mind before the Bruins St. Louis final because that would have been funny to watch in the finals. Marchand for seven games going and, and digging his stick in there and sticking him. And dude, he would have lost his I don't, mind. I don't, I don't think it would have went season. seven. It, it wouldn't have even gone seven games if that was exposed before then. Like yeah. Boston might have taken it in four or five. Like Bennington was a was a huge piece of them winning, and you know he's he's now making six mil for the next four years, and his weakness is exposed. Yeah, and I and I think with guys with you know when it's when it's something like that that's been going on for three years, I don't think there's any way you can just shut it off. And it even came from their head coach, um, Craig Berube, when you know Bennington. Uh, I can't remember what it was specifically about. I think it was he started a scrum and then wanted to fight Flurry, and then he was like trying to pump up the crowd and whatnot. And, and Craig Brubay was just like, this, "This shit needs to stop." Like he, you know, he needs to shut up and focus on playing hockey. And then it was a couple games later he did something stupid again. Like he, even when the coach is like publicly saying, "Shut up and play," and he can't even do that. It's like yeah. there, there's no, there's no end to it. It'll, it's just, it's a part of his personality and it's, uh, you know, now something that the Blues have to deal with. It's kind of been a bit of a rivalry over there in the in the Central Division for uh, for a bit. I don't know how intense it's been recently, but uh, Minnesota versus St. Louis has always been a bit of a rivalry. Yeah. And, uh, Not one that gets talked about a lot, actually, which yeah. is surprising because it's it, actually, it, it heats up. I think a bit of it just being... By the nature of neither of them being a top team in the league, and they're both for, in the at the same time, and they're both in the central. Yeah, it's hard to talk about it for too long. But we're, uh, we're finding that out. adding adding a guy like Patrick Maroon that might uh, 
that might uh, and, get under Bennington's skin. And not only that, the Blues bit, just a little bit more bringing back Sammy Blay and Oscar Sundquist, kind of you know third fourth liners that mix it up. Like it's you you could see some pretty pretty rough games between these teams next year. Actually, yeah, like it it, it could get messy real quick. But we love that. We love good rivalries in the NHL and fighting because fighting should never be taken out of the game, in my opinion. And I hope you agree. Um, but yeah, I don't like. Yeah, there's not much to say with the Blues. Like decent forward core. There's not that top end talent. Pretty good defense. Brutal goaltending. Where do you have them finishing in the Central Division? Uh, I want you to go first on this one. Okay. Yeah, I have them finishing in seventh. In seventh, second last, missing the playoffs. I have them finishing in third in the playoffs. No, you don't. I do. No, you don't. I do. You have the St. Louis Blues in the playoffs in third. Yeah. I think it is going You're to be... You're fucking with me. Where do you actually have them? I have them in third. Show me. I think it's going to be a... There's no way. ...a weak division uh, this shit. year. I think the Pacific and the Central are about to swap. All these teams in the Pacific are on the rise. The Central is going down. I think Minnesota's taken a year off. I think I think all the teams that are wild cards in the Central, you know, uh, Nashville, Minnesota, Winnipeg, they're all so taking you, a step back. You this actually year. have St. Louis over. Okay, the, the Jets I can see because there's a lot the, of things we actually have to dive into with them. But yeah. over Minnesota, still, I will. I will talk about why I have met them uh, above Winnipeg. Because them versus last year's Jets, I think the Jets are better. But I think things are going to change this year. Yeah, yeah. Because there is a lot to dissect with the Jets. Yeah. I'm really surprised you have them over the Wild, though. I, I went back and forth on them like, quite a bit. I think it's going to be close. I think Minnesota covers them in every spot in terms of forward depth. They beat them in top-end talent. There Minnesota is always, beats them in defense. There is always multiple players that I do not like in the league that do really well. And I wish they'd just fuck off. And I think Bennington is going to be one of them next year. I think he's going to put up, I think he's going to put up good numbers. And I'm going to be like, man, I just want to see you get punched. I think he's not going to get punched, and he's going to put up a nine sixteen or something. And I'm not going to enjoy. And I'm not going to enjoy it. But that's what I think is going to happen. You know what? I respect that. That's probably the boldest um, placement or and predictions we've had so far going throughout these divisions. So you know what? I I applaud you for that because that takes a lot of guts to. Um, put yourself out there on something that you're going to live to regret when <laughs> the Blues inevitably are shit in such a bad, shitty division. Probably. And Jordan Bennington um, has more temper tantrums and slams his fists on the ice and is kicking his legs up, whining and throwing water bottles at the ref and shit. Because that's who he is. That's what he does. That's but it's entertainment. I will say the Blues get entertaining hockey. Maybe that's why you people cheer for them, actually. Because you never know what you're going to get out of that team. Um, okay, so that, that was bold. Um, yeah. I do also think I believe in Jordan Cairo specifically, more okay. than a lot of people. I think he has the potential to, if surrounded with the right pieces, if he can put it together, he could put up a 90-point season. I think that would be like his career best. But I think... I think he is uh, ninety points. I think he could get to be around that point. 
if he found good chemistry Fuck. with solid other elite players. Yeah, maybe if they fucking land McDavid or something like <laughs> ninety for Kyle. Well, no, there is... was a lot. Of, there was a lot of points that Maroon got playing with McDavid. So who knows? I don't know. Actually, I'm gonna look. I'm because I'm kind of curious. What is um uh what's what's Kyrou's like? What what's his career high so far? Because I'm actually curious. Because I know he did have like it wasn't last season. Because I know he 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 there were some parts of the season where he did struggle. Uh, it was one of the last two years. Uh, I, yeah, I don't think it was last year, but I think it was the year. He put up 75 and 73 points in the last two years. Okay. Okay, so that, that, and that's kind of where I have his cap. Like, I think his his highest he can he's gonna reach in his career is like maybe point per game, like eighty two. So, so he yeah, and and that's where I think most people would have his his peak being. He's twenty five right now. So when he was twenty three, he had twenty seven goals, seventy five points. Last year he he had two less points, seventy three points, but he had ten more goals, thirty seven. So okay. I think I think he could have around forty goals. 45 assists you know get to that 85 90 range it would take a lot he he would have to be more consistent and uh so would the guys surrounding him but yeah i think i think it's possible fair enough i I will not uh not shake my head at that and tell you that you are wrong because I, i respect that it's stupid but I respect it. Well, thanks. No, I'm just, also, no, I'm just, 109 points in 56 games with the Sarnia sting. That's just, what, what a stud. God, the OHL's wild. Uh, moving on to the final team in the Central Division. Take a deep breath, everyone, because we have almost finally made it through this division. I know it has been tough, um, but we have powered through. So a uh, pat on the back to ourselves and a pat on the back. Um, to all of you for actually listening if you've made it this far through this division because if you don't care to listen to this one we really don't blame you um but it is our duty and responsibility um to put this out here for you the winnipeg jets um we might as well rip the bandit off because we've kind of gone through every other team now um so if anybody's been doing their homework listening i have the jets in fourth Yep. And missing the playoffs. I have them missing the playoffs in fifth. In fifth. I am... Um, so the main reason I had them that low is I think Connor Hellebuck's getting moved. Yeah, that that is the exact reason why I, I have them there. But I do think it's like a deadline move, which is why I think the Jets, you know, are, are up as high as they are, given that I think Hellebuck does steal a lot of games for them before um, he, he gets moved. That's fair. I'm also, I completely forgot about, somehow, I forgot about the Pierre-Luc Dubois trade. Uh, there, I was thinking, their you forward know, their forward deep. core is starting to wane a bit, you know, uh, Shifley's a year older. Grant, I, he's only 30, I thought he was older, maybe I'm thinking of Wheeler. But I, it sounds like they he lost might Blake be Wheeler. Gone. He but, might be moved. But Ayafalo and Velarde, that really solidifies that top six. With, like, Ehlers, Kyle Connor, even, you know, Niederreiter, Adam Lowry, uh, Mason Appleton, Nemestikov, even Kupari and Barron, like... The top six uh, and top nine are very solid. Yeah, and I think a big part for them is is they got to find a way to um, keep Mark Shifley. Or if they do trade him, it needs to be for, like, a... I think I think if you're the the Winnipeg Jets, you probably want to do if you're trading Shifley, you want like a 
you, you want to go for a prospect rather than a draft pick. I think yeah. you want to get you want to, instead of getting like a a B or a C prospect in a first. I think you want to go for an A or an A plus prospect and then like a third or something. Yeah, like you want to bring in a guy that can come in and play on the team and that you know is going to be a, a full time player next year. That can be good because the Jets are in a are still in a win now mode. Like you've got Kyle Connor in his prime, Ealers, um, even I I follow. You know, you've got Velarde on a cheaper contract. You've got Morrissey that's broken out. Like, you've, you've still got the pieces there. So I think if you're moving Shifley and Hellebuck, you need to bring back pieces that you can you can use now, um, in the next year, and the year after that. Like, guys that you can... That can so we, kind of similar to the Pierre-Luc Dubois trade, actually. Where yeah. you got Alex Ifalo, who's a solid, you know... Uh, Second liner, third liner guy, uh, Gabriel Velarde, who's a young, good prospect that can come in and really just go and provide immediate impact to the team. Like, that's what they need to do with the Scheifler Hellebuck trade. Yeah. Um, more specifically, the Scheifler than the Hellebuck one, because there's not many teams that, you know, you're going to be trading Hellebuck to where you can immediately, you know, get a, a great goalie back from them type of thing. Do you have a team that you think is the front runner? to get uh, either of those guys? I do, for both, actually. Um, okay. So the front runner I have to get Hellebuck is the New Jersey Devils. That that was the, my answer uh, as that, well. That team just makes the most sense to me. Yeah. Um, for Mark Shifley, I don't know if... I don't know. I, I'll, I'll explain that because I'm not sure how much you agree on this, but I actually have the Boston Bruins for that, Mark Shifley. That makes a lot of sense. They freed up a lot, a decent bit of cap space. Uh, they still don't have a ton, but and, and the reason I say that is because I think the yeah they out of center out of players currently available are kind of just on that are rumored in trades. The player that makes the most sense for the Bruins is uh, Elias Lindholm, just again because yeah. very, kind of very similar to Bergeron. He he's in his prime right now. He might he might be trade out of Calgary, but it's starting to sound like there there's some waves that he might be staying in Calgary. It sounds like, you know, it's not set in stone like he wants to leave. Yeah, I hope he stays. Um, and so I think that kind of it, it would, would stall stuff out between the two because I think Boston really needs to go out and grab a guy sooner rather than later. Um, and then really the only other guy that's name is around there that's a, a good center is Mark Shifley. So I could see the Bruins um, making a, a solid pitch for Mark Shifley if, if – you know they kind of well they kind of have to if they want to um, go for the cup next year with with the guys that they got. So that's kind of the landing spot I think makes the most sense for Mark Shifley. Yeah, um, but I I really do hope that Winnipeg can find a way to keep them, especially if Hellebuck's gone. Like there's a lot of money, you know, now left on the table there that can be put towards Mark Shifley. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I just think he's such a big part of. Like not even only the Winnipeg Jets, but like just the city of Winnipeg. The fans love him. Um, he he's kind of their guy, and I think he's, in my opinion, he should be next in line for the captaincy. Now that Blake Wheeler is I'm, gone, I'm wondering if it should be almost the opposite. I'm wondering if uh, Wheeler and Shifley were uh, kind of the last bastion of what the old Jets were, and you wanna you wanna move them both out, and you get that fresh start and. You know, now I, I, everyone, I could everyone can rally behind new captain, you know, Josh Morrissey or Kyle Connor or something. And 
You know, just the new era of the new Jets instead of kind of half. I I will say the new if, era, but half holding on to the old. I will, one. I will say though, if Mark Shifley is moved or not named captain, I do think it will be Josh Morrissey. Um, and I say that strictly yeah. just on the fact that he's already had an A on his jersey for a couple years. He's probably the long, aside from Mark Shifley, he's the longest like active Tenured jet. Maybe jets. you could yeah. make the argument for Adam Lowry actually. Because that dude is a workhorse in every end of the zone. Um, and, and actually, he is the longest tenured one. And then I think it's uh, Mark Shifley. But fuck, they still have Cole Perfetti even. Yeah. I forgot. He's so far down there on the IR. So oh, yeah. if they, as soon as I looked at their cap friendly, I was going, oh, shit. I have them. <laughs> if, if they name a captain um, and Mark Shifley's not there, I think Adam Lowry or Josh Morrissey are the best. Um, options, but like, I, I really, I just, I don't know, because I, I really like the Jets. Um, I've always been a huge fan of them ever since the Thrashers moved to Winnipeg. You know, that's always kind of been my as of as a Canadian, like that's kind of my Canadian team that that I root for and that yeah. I want to see do well. Um, so I would like to see Mark Shifley there, but I do realize that it's more likely he gets traded than stays. Same with Hellebuck. Well, Hellebuck, I think, is for sure gone. You can't like it sounds like that that's guy just is, a done deal. Like he he's wants gonna to be win moved. a cup. He's thirty years old. Uh, he's in his prime. He's going to start declining. He is an elite goalie, and you ha- he ha- wants to win as the starter right away. And they are not. They're not in a place to contend for the cup. And they could be though. He's. They could be this year. And the only reason I unless have them... they show serious promise, I don't think they're like unless they're doing really well. I don't think they're going to keep them because a rental Connor Hellebuck is insane. That's so going to bring if, back huge. If access. Hellebuck got traded, um, again, just say New Jersey for argument's sake, because I, I still think really that's where he goes. Yeah, I see something like they agree to a trade, but it's on the contingency that Hellebuck signs a whatever extension with the Devils. Like, I don't see a team giving up that much for him if it's just for a playoff run. Like, you just, you really don't see that with goalies all too often. Um, That's fair. Unless, I mean, the only other one that you can kind of recently think of is like a Corpus Allo. But he was kind of, I think he was kind of a more of a throw-in. Like, LA really wanted Gavrikov. Yeah. Um, But yeah, like, realistically, if Shifley and Hellebuck stick around, I could see the Jets... Um, I, I really could see them potentially even finishing higher than the Avalanche. Like, I could see them second. In, I don't think they touch Dallas. I think Dallas is just kind of in their own own um, section in this division. But I, I could see the Jets doing really well if Shifley and Hellebuck stuck around. But Shifley maybe, but I really don't see Hellebuck um, being a member of the Jets any time past the trade deadline. Yeah, it's it's tough. Um, yeah, like and, I I like the look of their team. Yeah, I really do. As it is right now at this very second, it looks damn good. But you have to weigh in the the moves that that are probably coming. Yeah, and they're I don't hate their top their top four, but outside of Josh Morrissey, they don't have any like great defensemen. Like, it's a solid top four, but, like, a lot of these teams that are really contending have, like, you know, uh, that 
that Makar and Taves, you know, that that Hedman and Sergachev, the the Slavin the and Petrangelo Theodore. Yeah, exactly. Why the fuck did I go to Vegas? Shut up. I never said anything. No, it's good. I couldn't <laughs> think of a second good defenseman on uh, on Carolina. Does Brent Burns count? Yeah. What do you mean? <laughs> does Brent Burns count? What a dick thing to say. Uh, of course but he yeah, counts. They have they have four very solidly top four defensemen, but only yeah. one top pairing guy, guaranteed. So, and 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 Morrissey, that's only as of last year. That's like true. going into season last year, he's a a fringe top pair, like kind of more of a second pair guy. Yeah, he's, but like he really he's the just top, took he's the off best last of the top. He was the last year. He was the best of those top four guys. And then he took a leap last year, and yeah. hopefully he stays at that rate because yeah, he he was an exciting player to watch. Very fun oh. to have in fantasy. Breaking news in the NHL. Yeah, it's not it's nothing major. Is it in the Central Division? It actually is. Unfortunately, Let's go. the Chicago Blackhawks Ooh. are to retire Hall of Fame defenseman Chris Chelios's number seven. Um, so for whatever that's worth. So what's Bedard gonna wear? Couldn't even tell you, man. I'd love for Bedard to release a presser saying he's, like, really upset and he wanted to wear number seven for the Blackhawks for no reason. Just, like, gaslight the community. It'd honestly just be funny. We got nothing else going on in the offseason. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so that kind of wraps up our um, Central Division preview. Um, we're just going to kind of – I'm just going to – well, I'll, I'll quickly start with mine, list off the way that I have them, and then I'll let you do yours. Yeah. So I have the Dallas Stars number one. Colorado Avalanche 2, Minnesota Wild 3, the Winnipeg Jets 4, not making the playoffs. Um, Nashville Predators 5, obviously also missing the playoffs. The Arizona Coyotes 6, the St. Louis Blues, boo. Why'd you boo? It wasn't Um, me. And then the Chicago Blackhawks at number 8. The Connor Bedard Hawks at at number 8 there in that division. Yeah, and then for me, I got the Colorado Avalanche, the Dallas Stars, the St. Louis Blues, and then not making the playoffs. In fourth, I have Minnesota Wild, Winnipeg Jets, Nashville Predators, Arizona Coyotes, and the Chicago Bedards. So we only had one in the same spot. We only had the Blackhawks at the bottom. Yeah. When you said Arizona, in, or uh, when I said Arizona in seventh, and you said that you had them in a different spot, I thought that meant you had Chicago in seventh. And Arizona in oh, eighth. So I actually, when I first did this, I had the Coyotes in fifth. And I had the Predators in sixth. But then I started thinking, I was like, you know what? When you've got guys like Philip Forsberg, Roman Yossi, and UC Saros, like... Saros stole a lot that, of And that, that was kind of my biggest thing. Is like, Saros is going to steal more games than Vimelka will. Which was kind of the tiebreaker for me. As good as Vimelka is, he's, he's no UC Saros. Saros. Exactly. Yeah. Um... Did you see, I would just while we were going through, looking at a lot of those uh, cap friendlies, Chicago's paying Peter Mrazek like $3.8 million. Yeah, to get fucking one punch by Joe <laughs> Thornton. Like, that's crazy. Well, you were, yeah, you were talking, you were talking earlier about uh, when San Jose was grinding Bennington's gears. I'm surprised Thornton never punched him. Yeah. That was still, that's still probably one of the best things I've ever witnessed in hockey. It's just like... Peter Mrazek acting like he's all tough. Were you watching that game live? Oh yeah, 
Oh, and Joe go. Thornton just with the one, the quick jab. It wasn't like a full punch. It was like a jab. Oh, yeah. It like was right like... in the throat just dropped. It was obviously a dive <laughs> by Mrazek, but like it Joe just Thornton could probably look... pack a punch. It just made him look crappier because he just flies back and his arms like. He acts like he's knocked out. It's like, dude, you got punched in the throat. Like, you're not knocked out cold. And if you um, are, th- then people are just going to call you glass jaw. Like, it's not like. Very epic drawing a penalty. Like, you got yeah. punched in the head. And Joe Thornton. probably calling it anyway. And. and yeah, they didn't get a power play out of it uh, when he was on the Hurricanes at the time. <laughs> um, so to wrap up this episode of reviewing the shitty Central Division, <laughs> um, I've got a fun Ugh. game here, actually. You got a I, fun game. I almost thought about sending this to you the other day, but then I was like, man, this would actually make a fun game here. All right. Um, so ESPN is part of their fantasy hockey um thing that they love to do they've released their projected point totals for certain players oh, okay okay so i'm just gonna go through this is just uh they did a couple side-by-side graphics um so i'm gonna give you one player um one player's point total and then you're and then i'm gonna tell you the other player and you got to guess kind of where they have the other player based on the first player i told you if that makes oh, sense okay, okay so i'm gonna tell you what they what they gave uh, the point totals for player a and then I'll tell you player B, and then you got to guess the point total in comparison to player A. Okay. Are these going to be, like, ones that are close, or are you going to pick, like, this is the fifth highest projection, this, this is 20. This is just based on the graphics they put out. Okay. Like, they put out pictures of players side by side and just put put their point totals. Oh, okay. So this isn't even me picking. I'm like, this, it's, it's got some pretty They've already done arbitrary it. random players in okay. here. Um, so they've got Connor Bedard projected right. for 90 points there it is see? 90 points see, a season that's what i'm talking about with like their projections like i get the hype i've seen him play but like he's he's going up head to head here with Sidney crosby <gasps> so they have Connor bedard projected for 90 points how many do you think they have Sidney crosby projected at then I'm trying to think how many I think he's going to have. And this this was done at the, the end of August. So as of the end of August. So it takes all off-season moves and whatnot into account. Oh, it it, it does. Yeah. Because that's important. Because they Especially have Eric with, Carlson with, exactly. on exactly. the power play now. Exactly. I think they're going to have Crosby a little bit higher. I think they have Crosby at, I'll give them 93. They have Sidney Crosby at 89. It was either that or I was guessing 87. At 89. So they have Sidney Crosby actually finishing with less points than Connor Bedard. I I think That's... Crosby still finishes with at least 90. Yeah. I think a lot of people are starting to try and forget about Crosby. Dude is still right there with the best in the league. He, he just gets overshadowed now because like guys like Austin Matthews are in the league, McDavid. Yeah. And like and Crosby just he gets overshadowed now, which is crazy to say, it's, but like he can still because ball out out there. He is still putting up such good numbers, and he can't skate with those guys at this point. And it makes it insane he's, because he's, he's still this, getting the results. That means he's that much better at stick handling, that much better at passing, that much better and at winning those puck his, battles. Just his mental game. Yeah. The way he sees the His ice and can make play is second to none in NHL history. It's it's like He's it's right a lot like Joe Thornton. Thornton. Like Joe Thornton when he was still 37, 38, like he was I think it was when he was 37, he still put up a point per game season with the Sharks. Yeah. Like it, it was crazy. Like he it's just the way it's their hockey IQ is is the perfect way to put it. 
Yeah, that's that's one thing I think uh, Kucherov is going to start declining uh, in points eventually when he starts aging and his skill starts going down. But I don't I don't see him ever producing like less than like sixty points in a season. Like, yeah. as long as he wants to play, because his IQ is just so nuts. Exactly. As long as he can make the pass he wants to, like... Yeah. Just one of those guys that sees the ice different, and Crosby is one of the best to ever do it. Yeah. Um, next up, a little, little rivalry one here. So they ESPN has Uri Slavkovsky projected for 55 points next year. 5-5. Five, five. Uh, what did he have this year? I, I don't really... I, I guess he was I'm not in, looking. He yeah, was he was injured, injured so he it's hard injured. to take Never, that into yeah. account. Um, assuming... And this is assuming the guys play a full yeah. full season. Yeah. He's going head-to-head with Brad Marchand. Oh, you said uh, rivalry. I thought it was going to be Shane Wright. No. Savkovsky, they projected at 55. What do you think they have for Marchand? What, so are all these going to be close? No, some, some are... Some are some are further apart than others. Okay, because I would have Brad Marchand at 80. 85? Dude, doesn't he constantly put up points? ESPN predicts Brad Marchand scores 46 points. Have they fucking watched 46 it? points Dude, for Marchand. Dude, I hate the Bruins, but like, come on, it's Marchand. That is stupid. Pavel Zaka might put up that many points. 46 for Marshan. Zaka's probably going to beat 46. <laughs> like, that's... That is That's insane. crazy, right? Like, this, like yeah. He's so. going to get that many primary assists on Pasternak this year. Like... Yeah. Um, next one. This is a fun one. It's kind of a, a rookie versus a veteran. So they have Luke Hughes... With the New Jersey Devils projected to score fifty-one points this season, that's a tall five-one defenseman. He's going head to head with Victor Hedman here, dude. Those dicks. <laughs> Luke Hughes versus Victor Hedman. Luke Hughes. They predict fifty-one points. What do you think they got Hedman at? Well, this is so. This is going to be a bunch of tools going. Oh, Hedman's numbers fell off last year, so they're going to fall even more. Uh, but they don't know that Hedman was playing. He played, I think, maybe 20% of the year on the power play one, if that. Yeah, because uh, Sergeyev mostly took took the reins. Yeah. And excelled at it, to be fair. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the reason wasn't Hedman doing worse. It was Sergeyev started the year on the power play, and it worked yeah. really well. Because, obviously, he's the future. He's, like, eight years younger. Yeah. Um... They, what was Hughes at, 51? 51. They love having the younger guy higher. They probably have Hedman at 57 or some shit. I I would have Hedman at at least 70 still. They have Victor Hedman at 50 points. One below Luke Hughes. Those dicks. Which I think is is really, like, they're really screwing over Hedman here. Like, if you thought Marsham was bad at 46, I could see him being a little bit lower because, you know, losing guys like Bergeron and Krejci and whatnot. Yeah. But, like, having Hedman at 50 is fucking wild. Yeah. Well, especially since uh, he's either going to play with Chernak or Perbix. Most likely Perbix. And he's only going to get better from last year. Yeah. That's... 
That that screams guys who look at the point totals and don't watch the games to me. But yeah. Uh, next one is actually a fun one. It's a battle of like the first line centers. Ooh. Um, ESPN predicts Nathan McKinnon will I'd... score 106 points this season. Versus Elias Pettersson. Oh, Pettersson. Nathan McKinnon at 106. Who is this by again? Do you say TSN? ESPN. ESPN. Do you know if that's Canadian based? No. Because if this was like... I don't think that. If this was a Canadian based one, I would probably put Pettersson higher. Just because they love doing that. (laughs) What do you say? 106? McKinnon, they have at 106. Pettersson... 102? 103? Pedersen at 116. Oh my god. 10 points more than McKinnon. Dude, Pedersen is incredible. I don't think he's ever putting up 116 without a huge shift in league scoring. He's really good, but like, that's a lot. Yeah. Not to mention, he's also renowned for his two-way game. Yeah. So he's, you know, yeah. busy doing that a lot of the time. Um, this next one, I'm, I'm not going to do it because also, it's... Also, that it's, might just be low for McKinnon a little yeah. bit. This next one I'm looking at, like, I'm not going to make you guess one because, like, these ones actually do make sense based on last season. Okay. Um, going head-to-head is Kale McCarr and Eric Carlson with the Penguins. Okay. Um, they have Kale McCarr, they predict 85 points for McCarr, and That's Eric Carlson, close. they have predicted 97 points. Wow. So, like, it, it's not... It's not outrageous. Like, it's kind of very similar to what they were last year. Um, if anything, like, you know, you can make the argument, yeah, Eric Carlson might slow down because he's another year older. And you can also, also make the argument, it's really hard look at to the, reach 100 yeah, points in yeah. defenseman. But then you can I, also make the argument, look at the Penguins team he's on, the power play he's going to be running with. Yeah. So, like, you, I, I, I can see the would, merit to both sides. I definitely figured they would have put him around 90. I'm surprised they went that high with it. I am surprised. I definitely yeah. think he could do it. But, like, it's not outrageous to predict that he's going to outscore Kale McCarr again because he did last year. Oh, yeah. He's all, he's on a better team now, so um, it really just matters on if he can stay healthy. And this is assuming want, he plays the full 82 games. A lot of people are games. saying he's going to score more because he's on the Penguins. I'm wondering if that hurts his scoring a little. I'm wondering because he was, he was a defenseman. He was the number one forward on the Sharks, though. Yeah. Like, he played defense, but he was their number one forward, basically. Well, and it's also, so like... I wonder if he scores less because he's relied on to score less. Well, and it's also, you look at the thing of, like, it was his first year on San Jose without Brent Burns. You know, and now he's going to be on Pittsburgh kind of with Latang. So it's going to be like, you know, when the Sharks were down by, by a goal or whatever, Carlson would play, like, the final three, four minutes of the game. Now with the Penguins, they can, they can you know, kind of rotate between him and Latang in both time. Um, there was times where Carlson would, would run power play one and two for the Sharks yeah. um, on some nights. Whereas with the Penguins, you know, they got to give that time to Latang as well. You can't just shaft Latang now. Yeah. So they're going to, he's going to have to share that time. So I don't, I really don't see him, you know, I see him getting at most 85, I think. You don't think he I think it's fair. I just, I don't see it because he's got to share that time with Latang. Yeah. Um, and I, there, there are some of like if you watch his highlights from last year, not only are they incredible plays that he makes, but some of them it looks like he like doesn't want to pass until he has the perfect opportunity because he's th- sitting there going, "I'm out here with a lot of guys, you know. This is our uh, we've got the goalie pulled, and uh, 
these guys would be second or third liners are on, on a lot of teams. Like, yeah. Like he he's out there like looking for the perfect opportunity because he knows whoever he passes to isn't going to grab it and spin a rama it into the net. Like yeah. He's you know now he's playing with Crosby. He's he's going to be a lot more ready to cycle the puck down over to him because it's yeah. freaking Sid the kid. Well, and, and also. Um, I I think that the fit like the the metropolitan division is way more physical than the Pacific is as of right now, and so I think he's going to be getting hit a lot more. It's going to take a, it's going to wear him down a bit. I don't like not necessarily say he's going to get injured or anything, but like just but over time on. those hits just kind of wear on you. So um, my prediction is kind of eighty to eighty five is kind of the max for Carlson. I think, um, but like ninety seven's not. That's, a that's, lot. that's not crazy, though. Like, it, it is possible, especially with the Penguins. I'd say it's possible, but it is a little crazy. It is. It's a little high. Points. It's a little high. Just to, per, like, to have him do pretty much 100 point seasons, basically. Like, let's just call a spade a spade. They're basically call, saying 100 points for Carlson. Like, that's tough to do back to back years as a defenseman, considering it's only been done, what was he, the, the fifth or sixth guy ever? Fifth. Like, to now be like, basically saying like he could do it back-to-back years just like yeah and like how many if you don't include guys that played with lemieux or gretzky it's like it's like two defensemen like it's uh, that that is an insane stat that he reached yeah um next up fun one little battle of ontario here they have tim stutzel projected at 99 points going up against austin cheeks Matthews. Oh. Uh, I think Matthews has to have the edge, assuming they play all the games. Uh, personally, if I think if he played all 82 games, he'd be up at the 115 range. Um, but they've probably got him somewhere closer to... I'm going to go 106. They have Austin Matthews. Tied with Tim Stutzel at 99 points. At 99. Wow. Yeah. Which is, like, Austin Matthews playing a full 82 games, he's putting up more than 99 points. Unless he do, unless like, he throws his stuff on the ground and goes, I want a fucking Selkie, then he's going to score 100 points. Yeah. Unless he really decides, unless the power play's playing up there and he's but, uh, in his own but, end running around defending. Um, Actually, I'm going to look this up what are you looking at um because i saw someone say it the other day i was like that seems a bit far-fetched but i want to look it up because if it's true this gives me a lot of leverage on a lot of arguments actually (laughs) um you're getting into a lot of twitter arguments no no it's just it's oh sorry they're x arguments it's just it's people who try to um make arguments uh specifically for um just hold on it's just uh do you want to edit this apart do you need no. some research time no 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 all right while you're while you're doing that i'm gonna throw out oh, gave uh, me the crying guys i'm trying i can't look it up i'm gonna throw out something to the viewers just because i had this argument Eh, not so much of an argument. I just we'll call it a discussion on uh, Reddit the other day. Um, 
what was it on? I believe there was a post uh, saying if every team had to retire, like, number... Or if uh, the league, like, Wayne Gretzky style, retired numbers 1 through 30, what numbers would be retired by each? Yeah. And so... Um, was it... It wasn't 19. 19 was... Sackick and Yeiserman, people were talking about. Crap, how can I not re- remember the number? Was it 21? Guy Lafleur and... Guy Lafleur and not, not Marcel Dion. Who's the other guy? Oh, no. Do you think it's on my history? Oh, no, it's just all cap friendly. Ron Francis. People were mm. people were talking about uh, Guy Lafleur versus Ron Francis, and uh, a lot of p- this one guy was arguing for Ron Francis, and he just had so many people saying that he was absolutely insane for saying that it it wouldn't be Guy Lafleur, and I don't disagree. I think it's probably Guy Lafleur, but the fact that so many people were saying like. Like, it was, like, to the point where people were, like, in all caps being, like, there is, all caps, no argument for Ron Francis over Guy Lafleur. And I'm, yep. like, Guy Lafleur in his prime was better. But, like, Ron Francis is fifth all-time in NHL points. He's, like, top ten in games played. Like... Yeah. He was really good. I know Guy Lafleur was, like, insane for what he did for Montreal and their cup runs. Yeah. But, like... Between the longevity and the the level he played at for the entire time, I don't think it's crazy to say that he could at least be in that conversation. Like, there were so yeah. many people who were like, oh, this is your opinion? Okay, good. So I'm, I'm like, don't have to t- take anything you say seriously. Like, it was, it was one of those things where, like, if you have this opinion, we're not having the argument at all. Yeah. And it, like, that, that felt a little strange to me. Like, it's not that open and closed. Mm-hmm. No, you know, yeah. yeah. He doesn't have the individual hardware, but just, like, the amount of points and the amount of games over time yeah. speaks for itself, really. So, I finally found it now, because this can shut up so many arguments now. Because I saw someone put on Twitter earlier today, and I really didn't kind of clock it until now. So, so Eric Carlson just won the Norris Trophy. Yeah. What was the biggest knock on Eric Carlson? When it came to winning the Norris Trophy? Uh, I would say it's kind of the same answer, but like either defensively or his plus minus. The the plus minus was, but like plus minus is a stupid stat. Yeah. Let's be real. The biggest thing was he doesn't play on the penalty kill. Right, yeah. But everybody said Austin Matthews should be up there to win the Selkie. Between 73 games a season... The amount of penalty kill time Austin Matthews played, 3 minutes and 28 seconds for an average of 2.8 seconds per game. Yeah, But people wanted him to win the... They thought he should be up there for the Selkie, so it's like... I mean... I wonder if there's a reason they don't have him play on there. Because he is good defensively, but he doesn't play on the penalty. But I I think it's just because he plays so much 5-on-5 and on the power play. Like, it's... His numbers 5-on-5 are crazy. Like, you can't have him up there... You know, playing 
like 28 to 30 minutes a night consistently like you're just gonna wear him out so i think that's kind of a big part of it matthews really does have a very strong case to be the most complete player in the league the way he can make insane passes obviously his shot is lethal second to none but he's also great defensively and the fact that he does so much of this five on five yeah because like he beats everybody five on five scoring every year even even you know years when Dreisaitl puts up insane numbers, uh, Matthews dwarfs him in five on five because all these guys that put up insane numbers, you know, uh, Pasternak, Dreisaitl, a lot of them put up a lot of them on the power play, but Matthews yeah. puts up a good amount on the power play. They don't have a bad power play, but he does a lot of it five on five. Yeah, uh, but personally, I think Marner's closer to a Selkie. Because he's really good defensively as well. Yeah. And it would be really cool to see a winger win the Selkie. Yeah, because always, it's always a centerman. Yeah, which uh, makes sense. They tend to play more defense. But yeah. in the case of a winger that puts up huge point totals and plays great defense, why not? Like, let's yeah. not rule it out. Like, yeah. Be fun to see. Um,. So we got a little sidetrack there. Uh, we've only got three left, so we'll kind of rapid fire through them a bit just because we Go have uh, gone on for quite a bit with this one. Um, so ESPN has Shane Wright projected for 40 points this upcoming season in his rookie okay. year. He's going head-to-head with fellow young stud Wyatt Johnston on the Dallas Stars. Okay. Where do you, what do you think they have for Johnston? I think I think you got to think higher. I think he showed a lot of promise last year. I'm going to go 46. 25. Wow. 15 points less than Shane Wright. How many points did Wyatt Johnston have last year? Like, I, I think he was up around 40. I think he had like 17 or 18 goals or something. That's... Like, they're they're projecting a significant drop-off for him for some reason. Like, to now go down to 25. That's crazy. Is... 25? Last year, he put up 41. How many goals? 24. 24. Like, they're projecting him to have as many points next year as basically his goals as he had this year. Like In his rookie year. Yeah. On a team that is so young, they can only get better. Unless they stuff Sagan onto the first line for some reason, and then he falls off even more. Like This 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 next one is a is a wild one. I don't know why wild, it's on more here. More wild than what we just saw? Yeah. Oh, wow. ESPN gonna... predicts Tommy Novak. On the Nashville Predators. Thanks, I thought he was on the Sens. To put up Dude, I don't... 63 points. And I just looked at him on Cap Friendly. He's going head-to-head with Jonathan Huberdeau. So Tommy Novak, Sorry, 63 points. 63 points? Dude, 63. I didn't know where he played. 63 points. He's going head-to-head with Huberdeau. What Am do you think I they have Huberdeau? just ignorant? Like, do you know who that he, is? He, like, he, he kind of or... came into the... Uh, Predators kind of midway last year when like a lot of their guys got injured and he actually did quite well was he he wasn't the guy who went like between the legs in the last game of the season is he I don't think so I can't remember who that guy is but like no yeah that that was a sick goal so last year at the Preds he put up 43 points in 51 games okay those are sick numbers but then they so then projected 63 points for next year what do you think they have for Huberto they're going to do him so dirty. I can't wait till Huberto puts up fucking 110 points next year and shuts everyone up. They probably got him at like fucking 45. 59. 
59. So four below Novak, which is like nuts. And the final one. A little, from under Sutter, he's going to do just fine. The final one, a little... little uh, wait, what? I'm convinced that he'll do better. Without Sutter? Yeah. Yeah, oh yeah. Like, offensively, 100%. he's going to... He's going to actually get him. a chance to play and play his style of game. He's not going to have to be like, go out there and yeah. hit and fight and... Rah, rah, rah. Like, yeah. It's like, yeah, everyone loves uh, being a all-star playmaker, signing with a team, and then they go, you're going to be a two-way grinder. Yeah, exactly. Okay, cool. Um, the final one, a little fun, a little metropolitan rivalry uh, action one here. ESPN predicts Bo Horvat. Bo Horvat. Bo Horvat, not even Matt Barzell, to score 71 points. Okay. Where do you think they have Evgeny Malkin? Malkin. That's interesting. They had Carlson pretty high. They're probably pretty high on the power play. I'm going to go with 75. 68. 68. They have them lower. Which I think I think Malkin's going to put up more than Horvat. Assuming both actually play a full season. Like... I was going to say, that one's rough because you can't even look... It's hard to look at past seasons because... Uh, has Horvat dealt with quite a few injuries recently? No, not really. Okay, I didn't think he had, but yeah, no. Malkin really has... Uh, been in and out of the lineup no major injuries but a lot of small ones um and then the the, the last one like i'm it does not a comparison because these ones make sense um leon dry is projected to score 129 points this year and make a david at 148 so like that's not that's not crazy that's not outlandish the thing that bugs me is looking at all these it's like who do you have even you don't even have anybody close to those two like, it's, it's obviously not going to be uh, McDavid and Drysaddle, like, very high at the top and then a huge drop-off. Like, there's going to be guys in the mix around Drysaddle, I think, still. I mean, were um, they this year? Like, I think Drysaddle was... so, no. I think uh, Drysaddle was fairly high last year. Um, Not points for teams, points for players. Okay, so you know what, actually, yeah, there was, actually, you know what, yeah, I'll shut up. There was actually a pretty significant drop of 15 points between Drysidle and the next, which is Pasternak. So, okay, so you know what, fair enough, actually. You yeah. know what, you know what, fair enough. I, I personally, I would have McDavid a bit higher, and I think I would have Drysidle a little bit lower. Uh, by the way, that was uh, tied with Pasternak and Kucherov yeah. in, in third. I'm just going just gonna to throw that out yeah, there. Yeah, so McDavid, you. 153, Drysidle, <laughs> 128, and then, yeah, Pasternak, Kucherov, 113, McKinnon, 111. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's not, yeah, you know what? Okay. I'll shut up. You know what? That, that's, that's, that's fair. That's fair. Based on last season, that's fair. I won't, I won't powder anything about that. Um, but yeah, that's, that's some kind of just shit talking on ESPN and some wild predictions. Uh, we did our predictions here going through the central division and how we, uh, you know, think each team will fare in this hot garbage of a division. Um, yeah, anything you want to uh, add on here before we hop off? And then in the next one, we will cover the Pacific Division, the final division, um, before the NHL season gets underway in about a month's time from now. I think we're about a month from start of the regular season, so. Uh, not really, just, uh, I don't know. I hope that, like, they take, like, 
they take the eight teams in the central and like divvy them up amongst the other divisions just make it you know let's cut it down to three four seems like too many or really too many if there's a central division you know yeah exactly right we we could all do without the central division um hopefully the nhl's plans for that i know gary bettman's kind of you know been looking there and like this shit sucks like i want to get rid of it just call it the just make a new one and call it the middle division yeah middle division sounds fine yeah that's better yeah exactly there we go um so yeah thank you to everybody for listening um this has been a very long one probably i think actually the longest um episode we've done so far to date (laughs) um but thanks to everybody for listening and powering through this tough one with us as we went through the garbage central division hopefully you don't have to do this anytime soon make sure to uh keep an out for uh the pacific one that's coming out i don't know when probably about a week from now uh maybe sooner i don't know that's that's up for debate yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll figure probably, our shit out on next friday and um, get that that sorted yeah uh do we want to also shout out the socials are we uh, mm-hmm. are we at the point that we want to do that yeah hit us with it you're the one who made them chief what are the, what uh, are, what are the I, handles i think i made them both the same um they are yeah yeah so you can find us um we're only on two platforms right now we are on Instagram and TikTok, not TikTok, Twitter, Twitter. or X, whatever X. you want to call it. That's what I was, trying. I was, trying, I was thinking Twitter and X, X and then TikTok. The yeah. <laughs> no, you can't. No. Um, so you can find us on Instagram and Twitter or X, which, what does X do? <laughs> Marks the spot. Um, we are on there both. At S E U hockey, S E U stands for stick them up. Uh, it was too long to put in there. It looked fucking weird, so we're not doing that. So we are at S E E U hockey on Instagram and Twitter slash X. Find us on there. Um, we really haven't posted much. We'll probably start posting more soon, especially once the NHL season gets underway. Feel free to send us, uh, you know, DMs, death threats, whatever you want. Uh, on there we will respond to everything and view it and take it um without a grain of salt we will take it to heart no matter what you say yeah. find us on there um seu hockey on uh twitter slash x or instagram do whatever you want to us on there because we will listen and we will take it to heart yeah. thanks to everybody for listening the central division sucks and we will see you in the next one Woo!